Hello and welcome to the First Beaver podcast. For this first episode, I have the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Mary Smith. We discuss how she became interested in the veterinary profession, how her career has evolved, and how her life has changed since the arrival of her son, Ryder. Firstly, thank you, Mary, for agreeing to be our first Beaver podcast speaker. To begin with, could you let us know a little bit about your career so far? Hello, Hannah. It's lovely to talk to you. Uh, So starting with my career so far, I have spent the past 17 years now working as an equine vet and 14 of those years have been as a hospital-based equine clinician. Most recently, the past three years have been spent working as a freelance consultant uh, running my company Image Equine, which is based from home and which offers a diagnostic imaging interpretation and and advisory service. And I also continue to work as a surgeon specialising in out-of-hours surgery. So to begin with, Mary, had you always wanted to be a vet? And if so, when was it that you decided that this was the career for you? I did always want to be a vet. I I was about five years old and I can remember having that conversation with one of my grannies. And I was already one of those kids with different tanks of gerbils and fish and bits and bobs in my bedroom. I had a wormery. I had stick insects in the airing cupboard to the disgust of my sister (laughs) and my cat, um, various other animals outside. I used to spend as much time as I could at the local riding school and also um, helped a lot with lambing down the road as well as with uh, horses. So has equine medicine been the focus of your career from the beginning? I grew up with James Herriot um, and had that sort of aspiration as a child, certainly. I thought that um, just being outside and working with a whole range of animals would be lovely. Um, as I grew up and as I began the degree course, um, it became obvious that generally vets moved to one area of the three and for me it was the horsework that really interested me. Who would you say inspires you? To start off with in my early days during my internship it it was the late Eric Thomas and also Professor Dean Richardson who were both um, very active at New Bolton Centre when I was an intern Um, and this was abroad in the States and they were such characters um, and Dean Richardson obviously is still very much alive and kicking is such a character um, so so passionate about what they did and do and so skilled in what they both did and do um, that it was very hard not to be inspired by them and continuing on from them to move on to Lee Hurst and be taught by Barry Edwards and of course lovely Derek Nottenbelt again it was very very difficult not to be inspired when such sort of passionate um, and interesting characters are sort of leading the way um, today, uh, funnily enough, my son is one of my inspirations because he's such a, a cheerful soul and I never expected to be able to say that of a six-month-old baby. It's, um, but he's remarkably cheerful and cheeky and really quite witty. And I think um, having his sort of joie de vivre is a, is a lovely sort of way to go about life and um, that's a nice thing to um, look at when you're sort of a bit bogged down and perhaps a million more other things um, and a good sort of it's a good way to get people around you on board if you can be cheerful. So it's a good lesson. <laughs> Wise chap, even at six months old. <laughs> um, and you said, obviously you mentioned there that you did your internship in the USA. How did you find that? How did you even end up doing one in the USA as well? I absolutely loved it. It was exactly what I, what I hoped it would be. Um, for me, during the veterinary degree, it was apparent that I needed more training beyond university and wanted more training I wanted to specialise in horsework um, and I actually spoke to Rachel Murray at the time who was the equine surgeon at Cambridge University at the time and I asked her advice and how best to go about trying to specialise 
and her advice was to try for a Toronto scholarship and to try and get back to the States if at all possible. And that's what I did. Um, and I was very lucky to be awarded a Toronto scholarship and to go to New Bolton Centre to do my equine surgery internship, um, which was fantastic. It was extremely hard work. I didn't really have particularly any days off, um, but this is the case in many internships. And I think that's really the point of them, to be honest, to engross yourself, immerse yourself, take on as much as you can, be a sponge um, and really, you know, set yourself off on a good path um, in terms of a career ahead, hopefully. And uh, as you kind of uh, touched on, you kind of asked for advice um, about it. It's quite kind of intimidating, I think, especially when you're a new graduate, like going and doing an internship and where to do one. And as they going abroad is, a, is, is like another kind of layer on that. Um, would you definitely advise somebody coming uh, thinking about internships to look at the ones abroad as well as the UK-based ones? I think I would definitely say consider the States if you've got the inclination to travel and you're willing to travel to the States. Without a doubt, the hospitals, the teaching hospitals over there are often larger and um, have newer equipment than perhaps many of our clinics in, in the UK. Um, and I think what you need early on in your career is exposure to cases and case numbers. Um, personally, I think travelling is a fantastic experience for anybody anyway. It, it broadens your perspective in all areas of life and it, it gives you a first-hand insight into the global nature of the equine veterinary profession um, and yet also, weirdly, makes the world seem smaller, which is a lovely feeling too. It helps you sort of embrace the global equine community um, and sort of want to be part of that, which is, which is very nice. It's a, a nice way to, to be. And when you, uh, obviously, um, after you kind of finished your uh, internship, you decide to go into kind of a residency programme to kind of further that education. What would you say were the key things to look for in a residency programme, if you if that's kind of way, way you're wanting your career to develop to? I wanted to keep my training going, really. Having completed my internship, um, or even partway through, I was aware that there was a, an opportunity to progress on to residency training and to start to take further qualifications in whatever field it, it, it wasn't for me, that was equine surgery. Um, and it seemed a very logical next step to try and continue that training while I was in the system and of that mindset. Um, for me, what I was looking for was a residency that was worthwhile with a, a large caseload. I think that's the point of it. If you're going to work extremely hard, you, you want to be able to um, have that those hours um, spent looking at a range of cases and benefiting from a range of cases and developing your experience as best possible. Um, so absolutely a, a strong caseload. But I think actually, when I think back on my residency, one of the striking features of it was what a, a lovely team of people I was lucky enough to work for and work with. And I would say it's important to decide whether the immediate team you're going to join are a happy bunch and a collegiate bunch, because poor interstaff relations really can mess up your working environment and that can very much colour your ability to learn and progress and develop and that's really what you're, why you're there, why you're doing a residency. I think one tip I would give is to look at whether or not the junior vets and support staff who are permanent members of the team are happy in their roles. That will give you an insight into the quality of management and particularly the quality of the leadership and the leadership skills of the bosses in the group. Um, you know, whether or not those support staff are happy will, will definitely be a direct reflection of, of that leadership. Oh. Residencies are, are very, even internships are very, very sought after nowadays. What would you, what advice would you give to somebody wanting to kind of set themselves apart? That's a difficult one. They are competitive and there aren't many. Um, 
I think you need to present yourself as a strong all-rounder with some experience. I don't think it's common these days for somebody relatively green and relatively newly graduated to be successful in achieving a residency post. Um, so having some experience that you can offer the institution, I think, is helpful. Um, being well motivated and having strong dis- strong self-discipline, I think, um, presenting yourself as somebody that can crack on and get things done in, in a timely fashion and be organised um, and motivated without needing to be handheld and spoon-fed, I think, is, is, a, is a relief to a busy institution. Um, I think you do need to be a team player. That's really important. But I think it's important that you can run with your own responsibilities too. Um, what I will say nowadays is that it does seem... It's more and more um, the case that having a strong science interest and, a, and, a, and a, an interest in research is important within residency programmes because very very often there's um, significant funding there that's been hard won um, that will be um, expecting um, research to be performed during the residency programme and the higher quality that research can be um, then the higher the payback if you like or the reward you are giving the institution and the funding body um, at the end of your residency so I think you need to bear that in mind that's part of your responsibility to to reward the funding body by producing some clear and concise research and and contributing in that way to the science industry also. Touching on the research, what did you enjoy most about your PhD? I think the most liberating thing about the PhD was having the time and the freedom to steer aspects of it down paths that became interesting at the time and in a different direction perhaps to the one that was developed at the beginning um, as the ball rolled um, and that was something I gained confidence in as the PhD developed and my supervisors, um, Drs Rachel Murray and C. Dyson were very instrumental in supporting me with that. They did allow me to just develop and run with my PhD and um, that was a good lesson in self-organisation and in my own development of my scientific investigation. Um, I particularly enjoyed looking at MRI applications within the um, medical field, the human medical field, um, and the ideas and um, inspiration you, you you gain from doing that and from looking at an application within another industry, I think, are, are really invaluable. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's a lot that the vet industry can learn then by having more of those collaborations oh, between the... So. Yeah, I do. I think um, looking at what the medical profession are doing is absolutely a help that you know, obviously they're ahead of us in many, many areas. But I think what we can remember is that many of the things that they do stem from research performed on animals also. So there's a reciprocal relationship and a parallel sort of development there um, that, you know, we can, both communities can develop from, um, but can be stimulating for both both professions, certainly. And this kind of discipline that you got from kind of organising your own time in the research side of your PhD... How did you find that help setting up your own kind of business? Oh, setting up my own business wasn't my original game plan um, and it became necessary rather than always being a goal. Um, and I was daunted by, by doing it. I wasn't sure whether that I could um, work on my own, um, having been part of a hospital team for the majority of my career. Um, so I did find it daunting, to be honest, but um, it's... It's been quite straightforward. It's been an extremely useful and flexible experience and it's been far more successful than I imagined, um, which 
is very pleasing um, and particularly suits um, the time of life that I'm at right now. And what would you say would be the biggest benefit of your job at the moment? I think the biggest plus is the flexibility. Um, I haven't got to coordinate my diary with any other colleagues as such. um, And so I really can make it work for myself and my family um, week on week. Particularly, though, from a work point of view, it's very rewarding interacting with vets from so many different hospitals and clinics, Um, even compared with being part of a referrals group. um, I'm interacting with so many more different groups now. I think the main reason that that's the case is because I'm truly independent. I really am just myself. Um, I'm not viewed as competition anymore. I'm no longer part of a, a larger group who might take another practice clients. So um, I think my independent um, nature is helpful. And obviously I hope that I'm doing a good job for those clinics as well. Um, But I do think um, the lack of direct competition is viewed as a plus um, by most groups I work with. How has having a family kind of um, changed your approach to your career? And not only career, obviously, kind of life in general. Personally, I've I've needed and wanted to be available for my son, and that's been um, something that I think you don't fully appreciate until the moment arrives. Um, It's meant that I have done less out-of-hour surgery over the past six months, um, or I've done no out-of-hour surgery over the past six months, um, and we'll be picking it up again in the near future, but doing less than before. I'll no longer go back to a one-in-two out-of-hours rotor again. Um, One-in-four sounds much more suitable to family life from my point of view now. Um, I do a lot less work on a day and weekly basis based at equine clinics or hospitals. I'm much more based at home. So certainly my my work base has changed and my out-of-hours life has changed dramatically, although I'm still up in the night, it's for very different reasons. (laughs) Um, I'm learning to enjoy the moment much more, particularly with Ryder. He's at a lovely stage at seven months now where very simple things are very fascinating to him, which is a very lovely thing to see and is a good life lesson in just slowing down and enjoying the moment, um, which I'm really embracing, to be honest. A lot of talk nowadays about kind of getting a work-life balance. Um, Now, do you think this is achievable um, in our profession or do you think this we're chasing something that, you know, we can never quite get to? Oh, I think it's very, very hard, and particularly for vets. Um, we all know this is not a nine-to-five job, and we didn't go into the profession expecting a nine-to-five job on the whole. Having said that, I think a balance is or should be a name. And I do think if you are lucky enough to be part of a group where there is genuine collegiality and teamwork, you can take it in turns to be the hectic one, and you can share the load. If there is give and take, you all last longer, and really... My best, the best example in my career has been my residency, which was frantic, hard work, um, long hours. But the four of us involved in that residency programme at the time really tried to support one another in, in a collegiate way and to share the tougher times. And that does make it better and allow for some slack in the system where it's needed. I think the other thing we're bad at as vets across the board is, to, is in judging accurately when we do have enough on our plates already. And trying to forecast those times and forecast when actually we need to say no and then to say no. And it isn't easy saying no, but I think um, we need to 
get better at this and get become more supportive of one another in trying to achieve this at different times in our lives. I think that's a very important thing and I completely agree with you. I think we are terrible at that two-letter word and definitely saying it and putting in our own boundaries. Um, but how have you found, how does your work life complement your family life and, and vice versa? Do you think there are kind of aspects that can help each other out? What for me now, by luck rather than design, I work from home and the majority of the time, and it, there isn't a better scenario really in terms of trying to raise a family. Um, I'm so lucky with that. Um, I'm allow it's allowing me to dedicate a fair proportion, a very healthy proportion of time directly to our young son. And even around that time when I'm working, I'm still within earshot, I can keep a close ear and eye on him as needed. And I can organise the mechanics of our domestic life by delegating like manner to super support that we have in place, which includes my lovely husband. Um, here at home, I have a fantastic home office. Um, and really, I have everything I need to allow for just a slick and IT operation here, down the lane in a village at home, as I've ever had in any office in a university department or in a large referrals practice. And it's my honest hope for both male and female veterinary colleagues in the profession that a degree of flexible homeworking becomes more commonplace because I think it's extremely healthy for everybody as well as more productive often. For example, looking beyond what I do in consultancy work, ambulatory vets increasingly need to spend time writing up notes, composing letters, filling in insurance forms, invoicing, returning phone calls etc. And, and much of that could all be done from home at hours that suit the individual around perhaps the school pickups or children's meal or bedtimes. You know, we shouldn't have to be in a situation where fathers don't see their children until the weekend anymore. And mothers are trying to juggle, you know, a long day in and out of the veterinary practice, again, relying on childcare and juggling, frantic juggling often, which is a huge stress. Um, and really, I think we can manage this better and should put time into managing this better. Obviously, you're touching on some of the kind of the, the day-to-day challenges that we've had. What do you find has been your greatest challenge so far and, and how did you overcome it? Oh, my greatest challenge professionally was facing unexpected bullying and discrimination in the workplace, to be honest. And that wasn't something I ever expected to encounter. Um, and I think becoming aware that you can't always talk people around your point of view or appease them, even if you aren't in the wrong. I think doing a good job is not always enough in our profession. Being accommodating or working harder is not always a solution either. And I think we're too too used to doing that and keeping our heads down and working harder and trying harder and working longer hours and, and trying to not to be the first to leave the office in the evening. You know, and I think really the days of that being the way our industry should operate should should be over. I'll quote the serenity prayer, which was first quoted at me during my residency. It's important for our own mental health to accept the things we can't change and to have the courage to change the things in our lives that we can change and also to have the wisdom to know the difference and ideally to do this in a timely fashion. I think in our careers we need to recognise our career strengths and our weaknesses and to seek out constructive alternatives so that we do tackle challenges, find solutions and try and achieve some balance um, for a longer and healthier career and home life. Wise words in that serenity <laughs> prayer. Wise, wise words. Um, so obviously, we, th- those are kind of some of the challenges that you faced. What would you say would be has been some of your career highlights? Obviously, so far. What advice would you give to your younger self starting starting their career? 
I would say that it's worth it. It's a wonderful profession. It's not easy, but I would say to myself, keep working, keep trying and keep trying harder. It is worth it. And what three take-home pieces of advice would you give someone? I would say work hard when you are young and single. Invest time in your career and in developing your career because this will help you and help give you flexibility later on. You would like more flexibility to achieve that life balance. I think bear in mind the above, but don't neglect your personal life. It's just as important. Develop a personal life. Find time for it. And thirdly, I think... Bear in mind, there are so many opportunities within the equine veterinary profession and there is no need to feel limited. And also there is no need to feel you've gone down one track and there is one track open to you only. If things aren't working out, stay open-minded and be willing to embrace potential changes because there are a whole host of opportunities out there and we're, we're very lucky from that point of view. I would say work hard when you are young and single, invest time in your career and in developing your career because this will help you and help give you flexibility later on. You would like more flexibility to achieve that life balance. I think bear in mind the above, but don't neglect your personal life. It's just as important. Develop a personal life, find time for it. And thirdly, I think Bear in mind, there are so many opportunities within the equine veterinary profession and there is no need to feel limited. And also there is no need to feel you've gone down one track and there is one track open to you only. If things aren't working out, stay open-minded and be willing to embrace potential changes because there are a whole host of opportunities out there and we're, we're very lucky from that point of view.